So last week, I don't know if you caught this, but I caught this and I was like, wow. Last week, Ryan was, was talking about the Shema, right? And he gave a, a, an abbreviated teaching session on the Shema that, that just blew me away. I don't know what that did for you, but for me, it gave me a whole lot of peace. Because this guy is brilliant. He really is. And what it told me was that, you know what? This congregation's in really good hands. And so, and so I, I was really thankful for that. It also made me reflect on my own ministry. I started preaching 42 years ago. I was 16 years old. And I preached this little sermonette probably about seven minutes long on the love of God, on God's love for God's creation, on God's love for you and for me. And as I was reflecting back 42 years and through those years, I realized one thing. For the last 42 years, I've been preaching a variation of the same sermon. A little longer at times. I, I don't think I've done a seven-minute sermon in, in a long time. But it's the same variation. That same message. And it started to worry me a little bit. I'm like, don't you have anything else to say? But then I remembered the words of one of my early mentors. Because I was worried about it back then. And I went to him and I said, seems like all I'm talking about every day or every Sunday or every opportunity I get to preach is about God's love and us loving God and us loving each other. And, 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 and it's some variation of that each and every Sunday. He says, should I be worried? And he basically told me was, you keep preaching the message God gave you until God gives you another message. Right? So, and there's two reasons for that. The first reason is, is your congregation needs to hear that and continue to hear that until they learn it. And the second message is, and, and you need to keep preaching it until you learn it. And so, guess what? We're going to talk about loving God and loving others. But we're going to talk about it in the form of what I like to call and what, what Wesley, John Wesley would call practical Christianity or practical theology or divinity, Wesley might refer to. How do we do that in a practical sense? Right? How do we take it from the theoretical? How do we take it from just the lofty words into the practical, the everyday exchanges between those around us, the everyday exchanges between us and God. 
Listen to these words from Wesley. He wrote this in 1746, a long time ago. Still applies today. He was writing in, in a, what came to be known as uh, the principles of Methodism further explained. And he was writing in response to a letter he received from the Reverend Mr. Church. And so here's what he says in the principles. Religion we conceive to be no other than love. The love of God and of all mankind. The loving God with all our our heart and soul and strength as having first loved us. As the fountain of all the good we have received and of all we ever hope to enjoy and the loving every soul which God has made, every man, woman, and child on earth as our own soul. This love we believe to be the medicine of life, the never-failing remedy for all the evils of a disordered world, for all the miseries and vices of men. Wherever this is, there, may be, or there are virtue and happiness going hand in hand. There is humbleness of mind, gentleness, long-suffering, the whole image of God, and at the same time, a peace that passes all understanding, a joy unspeakable, full of glory. This religion we long to see established in the world, a religion of love and joy and peace, having its seat in the heart, in the inmost soul, but ever showing itself by its fruits, continually springing forth, not only in all innocence, for love worketh no ill to his neighbor, but likewise in every kind of benefits spreading virtue and happiness round it. John Wesley, the principles of a Methodist further explained, 1746. Practical Christianity, practical theology, practical divinity, is founded on three principles that Wesley had for living. The first one was do no harm, right? What does that mean, do no harm? It means don't hurt anybody. Don't strive, don't seek to hurt others. The second one follows that, do good. Don't do harm, don't do bad, do good. And the third one is stay in love with God. Stay in love with God by seeking out, by staying in relationship, by communicating and listening. We're real good at at telling God what we want, right? 
I know I'm real good at that. Lord, every morning I get up, I have my prayers. And throughout the day, and while I'm driving on the highways, I'm praying to the Lord. Lord, I need this. I want this. Do this. Come on, Lord, hear me. But communication's a two-way street. And so sometimes I just need to sit back and be quiet and listen for what God is saying to me. Sometimes you'll hear an audible voice. I, I'm not going to rule that out. I've heard that. Freaked me out, scared me, yeah. But usually it's in the stillness and quietness of my own heart that I hear God speaking. Or it's in the beauty of creation that God is revealing something. Or it's in you that God is speaking to me, and hopefully vice versa. But stay in love with God so that you can do good and cause no harm. There's four questions that lead us in a practical Christianity, in a practical theology, in a practical divinity. The first question is, we are always asking, what's going on? What's happening? Which leads us to the second question, why is it happening? Why is it going on? Why is it like this? And leads us to the third question, what ought to be going on? Which finally leads us to the fourth question in this practical Christianity is, how might we respond to what's going on? Well, we're going to respond by doing no harm, by doing good, and by staying in love with God. Practical Christianity should always be evident by transformation. Christians should truly be Christian by being reconciled back to God and renewed in their human nature. Practical Christianity transforms you from what you were to what God wants you to be. Growing up, there was a man in my church who, for lack of a better word, was grumpy. I mean, he, he was grumpy and, and mean and mean-spirited, at least to me. Every time I saw him, I tried to run away. I tried to hide. If we entered into the restroom at the same time, whether I went or not, I was getting out. I needed nothing or wanted nothing to do while he was there. I was just afraid of him because he was grumpy and I thought he was mean. And one day I worked up the nerve and I went over to his wife and I said, why is your husband so grumpy? Why is he always so, seems so mean, so mad? And she looked at me with such kind eyes. And she says, oh, honey, you think he's grumpy? 
you should have known him before he met Jesus. <laughs> wow. She said, there's been a transformation in him. In my eyes, he's the sweetest man I know. I said, Lord God, help us all. <laughs> kind of reminded me this Friday, I, I was, I was watching, re-watching the movie, A Man Called Otto. I love that movie. It's a difficult movie because some of the themes are, are difficult. But we see what is possible and we see what can transpire when someone is given love, is treated with love and respect. Transpired his whole life. So in practical Christianity, the first thing we begin to see is transformation. It begins to occur. But it doesn't occur just in one area of our life. In practical Christianity, we search out a holistic response. Christians are concerned with the development of the whole person, the mind, the will, and their affections. That's how Wesley would have put it. The mind is our understanding of our orthodoxy, our right belief, right? The will is the understanding of our orthopraxis, our right practice, doing what is right. And the human affection is what we call our orthopathos. The right passion. And human affection is the heart of the Christian life. The true motivator of all we do. The passion we have for God and the passion and love we have for others. We are called to love the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. It's as if God is saying... Show me your passion for me. <coughs> Show me your love for me. There is something within us that knows that Christian love is more than what we think and even more than what we do. How do we show God we love God? <coughs> And that leads us to today's scriptures and what I like to call the practicality of scripture. Scripture is very clear on how to live as a practical Christian, how to employ a practical theology or a practical divinity. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, Peter like John Wesley is very clear. Do what is good. Very practical. Do what is good. Verse 15, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope 
that is in you. When people ask how and why do you have this hope, be ready to tell them, I have this hope because of what Jesus has done for me. It's not something I've created for myself. It's not something I can create for myself. It's something that Jesus does for me. I'm here in front of you, a shy, reserved, timid, quiet person. Yeah. Filled by the power of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done for me. So we need to be ready to share that, to tell people, this is why. This is why I strive to do good. This is the message of hope that I have, and it's all based on the love of God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 16 We need to keep this in mind. This is very practical. But yet do it with gentleness and reverence. You see, it's not about just being right. We all want to be right. It's about building relationships that are gentle and loving and caring and compassionate and recognizing that others may not be in the same place you are at a given time. And so you have to respond to them with Christian love that is gentle and kind and not harsh, that is sweet not bitter. One of the biggest reasons Gen Z's and for a certain number of millennials, one of the biggest reasons they're not in church today is because they see the church as a hypocritical place. Because we're not being gentle and kind and compassionate. Much less to each other than to those outside these four walls. Do good. Share the hope that you have. Do it with gentleness and kindness and compassion. And then in John, the practicality of Scripture comes clear in verse 15. Jesus is speaking here. If you love me, if you're going to proclaim that you love me, you will keep my commandments. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all that is within you, and love your neighbor as yourself. 42 years, the same sermon. Love God and love others. Let's pray. Help us, oh God, to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all that is within us. And help us, oh God, to love our neighbor. In Jesus' name. Amen.